WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 135, all about fan fiction, being the 135th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined once again by Molly Knox Ostertag. Welcome back, Molly. Hi, thank you for having me again. Thank you for coming on. Um, I believe the last time you were on, I think it was almost, it was actually probably like this time a year ago, because I think I had you on for an episode of the Return of the King movie. I think so. I have been, I have, I have done a lot of Lord of the Rings podcasts. I have to say, so they blur together a little bit. I hope that does not make you it's feel. It's okay. No, that doesn't offend me <laughs> at all. Injured. It's yeah. all a it's all a blur to me There's as well. There's truly because... one topic that I can talk about, like ad infinitum, and it's this. It's so, Lord, but Lord I do think that's that we, amazing. I think we discussed Return of the King, the film, and it was fun. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> big, big well, fan. I've been I've been on quite a journey since yeah. you've come on because I've. I finished the movies. I read The Hobbit. I finished The Hobbit. I'm doing all of... uh, I actually just kind of finished doing all of these, like, random side... I've been saying, like... um, obscure pieces of like Tolkien adjacent content. I pretty much did all that I wanted to do before I start covering the Silmarillion. And so I tweeted and asked people, you know, like, these are the things that I've covered before I do the Silmarillion. What else should I do? And a lot of people, I had toyed around with the idea of doing some fan fiction episodes. There were some people replying saying they would love to see that. And then someone specifically recommended one of your pieces in all the ways there were. Did I, I got that right. I no, think I that's, didn't. I think that's right. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> I wrote yes, the whole thing in a few, a few states, so there I will go. not correct you if you mess anything <laughs> up. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, why don't I just have her on? And maybe I was like, oh, let me get the author on and we can talk. And then I was like, or let's just talk about like the general topic of fan yeah. fiction. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. Because I think it's something that a lot of people have um, certain expectations or ideas of what it is. Um, and then you being someone who writes, I said, I said in an email, like, quote, unquote, normal fiction, uh-huh. but you know, you write non fan fiction fiction, in addition to fan fiction. Um, and of course, you're huge Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah. So li- I figured this bit. would just be, yeah, just, just a, a tad. A <laughs> normal amount. Um, I'm also just, side note, so excited to see that you are starting to read The Silmarillion because I'm starting to read it in probably, you know, I, I don't even, two weeks from now, oh, maybe. Wow. I don't okay, know. good luck. <laughs> if you want, I have a, I started a text chain with like um, my friends, uh, Tori and Paul, who have another podcast called The Silly Marillion, where they talked about it. And yes. so it's a text chain where I can really just send them reactions and memes and questions because I have a lot of those and I didn't want to I was like this is too obscure to put even my like Lord of the Rings Twitter side Twitter through so it's it's Um, delightful though I'm actually really enjoying it so I'm excited for you oh my gosh yeah we'll see I um just I wanted a specific so I have a nice hardcover there's an illustrated Silmarillion um and so I have that but that's not what I want to like 
that's kind of like a hefty book to like sit down with, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, once every week. Um, and, you know, I don't want to like highlight in it and stuff. So I wanted a very specific edition of The Silmarillion that kind of matches the rest of my, you know, Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. And so I ordered that and it came yesterday and I read, I opened like the first chapter and read out loud like the first paragraph and was just like... This is nonsense. It, <laughs> I can't like I'm I I'm only thirty percent of the way through because I'm reading it and on an ebook, so I know how far I am. But yeah, it does get a little bit. You get you get to some. There's, it gets a little bit more grounded. They have to invent the earth before it can know, become right? grounded. But like it does get there, and you get some more epic deeds that are a little bit more focused than just like what if a lot of spirits in the void were singing songs and it's it's the first chapter is insane i actually find it very inspiring i was um because i was reading it and i was like tolkien loves music so much he's always writing about music he's always putting songs in his book his creation myth is all about music and i looked it up and he did not play an instrument did not sing to my knowledge in any professional capacity i love it he just was a huge fan of it and just kind of put it into his stories which i find very inspirational as a writer to be like you don't have to necessarily know Know how to do something to write about it and really appreciate it in your stories. Yeah. Well, we're not discussing okay. the Silmarillion yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, we'll get to that in a couple weeks. Um, by the way, listeners, at this point, I only have one other specific piece of fan fiction that I want to cover. And it is, um, I forget what it's called, but it's like the very serious diaries. The very or something. secret diaries by Cassandra Clare. Yeah, yes, it's a classic. Cassandra Clare. Um, I think like when the movies it. were coming out, it's from a. It's like a vintage internet piece. Yeah, and so that is, uh, as of now, the only specific piece of fan fiction that I'll cover. If you have a specific fan fiction in the Lord of the Rings or Hobbit universe that you want me to cover, send it to me. I am not doing this with the intention of like reading it and being it might happen with the diaries one because I did read a few pieces of it and it is kind of just like funny and this is like a internet there, relic like you said too, I think it's it's pretty short and it's just yeah so like I'm not we're not gonna go in whatever guests I have on we're not gonna go in with this intention to be like isn't this so terrible ha 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 um so if you have something that you want me to read or if there is something that you're like this is the most wild piece <laughs> of fiction I've ever read in my life. Send it my way. Um, (laughs) But yeah, today we're just going to kind of generally talk about fan fiction. Um, So the first thing is, what what is fan fiction? In my head, it's stories written by fans who want to spend more time in a, a particular world or with a particular set of characters. Yeah, I think that's a pretty great description. I think it's yeah, I, I, I love the term transformative work, which is like definitely the like high and mighty term for it, which is kind of just taking a work that exists and building on it and yeah, get exploring a certain part of it, translating it into something else, like kind of putting your own spin on it. Um, I think it's it's funny. I was actually I was thinking about this as we were leading up to the podcast and how they're used to like sort of pre like printing press and pre like stories really having a established author and being mass distributed people would kind of just make up legends in the king arthur legendarium or christianity or things like that and sort of like greek mythology people would sort of these stories would come from all over so i think the idea of fan fiction is actually very old because it is just this idea of like a set series of characters and stories that we then get to add to and kind of build as a community 
Um, and so I think in the era of like, like being like this specific story is by this specific person and the, only that is canon, I think like fan fiction kind of takes on its own meaning. But the concept itself is, is really old and really human, I think, to, to love a story and love characters and want to engage with them. Yeah, that's beautifully put. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> listeners, in case you don't know, I'm sure like no one listening is going to like not know, but canon means mm. uh, true, I, I guess, true coming from the original text or the original movie from the original creators. And so fan fiction typically deals with like going off into non-canon areas of the world but it also still might be based with you know characters that they maintain their canon relationship status or like it maintains the canon plot of the of the book yeah yeah it's a fa- i mean there's it is there is such a huge world of it it is so diverse and i've truly barely scratched the surface like as a reader or a writer so i'm not qualified to talk about all of it but it is it's like there's like the canon compliant is the term where you're sort of trying to tell a story within the story that already exists. You're not going to put anything in that doesn't have that like directly contradicts the events. And then canon divergent is the idea that you're kind of taking these characters as a starting point and then spinning it off. And sometimes people just make these like huge, beautiful, massive epic stories that are really like works of like incredible fiction in their own right. Um, But they sort of started with the seed from that they got from X-Files or Star Trek or Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. My favorite form of non-canon compliant fan fiction is when there's something that happened in the original work that the entire fandom just like collectively disagrees was a wrong choice. Yeah, like a, a, a fix it fic is what it's called, yeah. I think, where it's just people being like, let's, no, you didn't mean that. No, that didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so fascinated with the relationships between authors and canon and fans and canon. And it's just, it's it's really complex. And I feel like I've come at it from a lot of different angles as a creator and a fan. And it's just, there's something very interesting because we all want it the author and the fan we all want to kind of believe in the secondary world and we have different relationships with it but i think fans can sometimes see things that the authors maybe like like couldn't see or can they can sort of read something into it that the author didn't intend but that is still valid because it is a, a work of fiction is like a collaboration between an author and their fans um and i i find it just so interesting and so cool yeah. So I guess that the next thing we can talk about is why why do people decide they want to read fan fiction? Why is someone reading Lord of the Rings, which is a 1000 page <laughs> book? <laughs> and then there's the Silmarillion and the appendices and Lost Tales and whatever. And then why does someone go, "You know what? I want to read more or I want I want to know more." Why do people go looking for fan fiction? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that really good work does often um, generate fan fiction because it leaves things to the imagination. And Tolkien's writing especially is really great for that. He almost never describes people. Um, He sometimes will have these very emotional conversations that will just happen in the space of a few lines or emotional realizations that will happen. And you want to dig into them and find out more, um, or you want to kind of flesh out the relationship between two characters. And there's very little to go off of, but that also gives you room to to build it yourself and find it yourself. And so I think it's probably a lot of people who 
you know, like fan fiction is usually about relationships, whether it's platonic or romantic or familiar, familial or like all different kinds. Um, so fan fiction, like you're not getting a lot where people are like, let me describe the hills and the trees. Like Tolkien has that covered. Um, but <laughs> there's there's room to kind of dig into just like what was like, what is like Hobbit social life? Like what are like, what did the fellowship talk about when they were journeying on the road together? What were, what did they eat for dinner? Like when you love this story so much and when you get so excited about it, you really want to dig into that and find those answers. And something really unique, I think, about Tolkien's work is that it feels like the answers are there in a way. It's so he's such an extensive writer and he really just spends his whole life like making this giant story. And so a lot of times you can kind of dig in and be like, oh, like who were Sam's who was Sam's Gamwise's family? And then you can find a whole family tree and kind of figure out how they connect to other families and sort of just like there's 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 enough breadcrumbs that you can really sort of dig into the material in a really fun way. Yeah. One thing personally that like I uh, have found myself being like, okay, yeah, I want to, you know, look into the fan fiction for this world is so like one example is like I said earlier when there's like something that happened that everyone disagrees with or you're just like that's so wrong um and here's why you're wrong and here's why it would be so much better and then the other thing is when I'm like you know what I feel like I need more closure with that an example I was thinking about recently is that like so my experience with like the way that like I first I guess heard about fan fiction was probably Harry Potter, which mm-hmm. I feel like is must be so common. Yeah, because like yes. I remember <laughs> there was like a lot of to do in the in the two thousands about like there was something with like J K Rowling and a lawsuit and <laughs> and and there were all these people who back in the day if you read fan fiction at the top there would be like a disclaimer uh, especially for Harry Potter fan fiction basically just being like please don't sue me <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not yeah. stealing your characters um, I remember but her being anyway. very upset about Draco Hermione I think as a pa- as a romantic pair she was like I don't think that's good and it's like okay (laughs) not about you actually yeah (laughs) um Um, but anyway I was thinking about it recently I was like I have like now I have zero desire to read any kind of Harry Potter fan fiction because I think I've gotten any sort of closure or acceptance or anything out of that universe and that world and I'm like yeah like what happened to the characters has happened. And when I was first experiencing it, I maybe needed to be like, no, we need to read fan fiction where Sirius and Remus raise Harry and they're a gay couple together (laughs) because that's just cute. Yeah. But now I'm like done with the story sort of, you know? Yeah. Um, So I guess in that way um, would be like kind of the reverse of that example that I was thinking of is is why I think people will like turn to fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Wanting to find a bit of closure. And I think, again, like Tolkien is, a, there's a reason I've only ever written or really read fan fiction for Lord of the Rings. And I think it is because he is so good at presenting these really, really compelling dynamics and emotional arts, but not quite putting a pin on them or giving them closure, as you said. He doesn't quite tell you what, you know, the ring is an allegory for. And there's so many theories and everybody has their own personal interpretation and that is what makes it good. Like there's not a uh, a real, there's not an answer. The ring represents this exactly. What it does to Frodo 
equals depression or whatever, but you can read into it what you need to see and what resonates with you and what makes that really dynamic emotional journey um, the most relevant and the most personal and the most like hitting for you. And so I think fan fiction often is about exploring those. Um, When I was writing mine, I definitely was kind of exploring the ring as like a burden of mental illness and depression. And that was that was really cathartic. And that's how I've always seen the story. And I I wouldn't say that that is how everyone should see the story. But for me, I really I feel like I could work things out through kind of stepping through the points of the plot with that perspective. Um, So there's something so just it's just it's so it's so cool. I don't know. I love (laughs) I'm a fan. I don't know if you can tell. Well, that's actually uh, kind of leading into my next question just for you personally is what made you go from I'm reading Lord of the Rings, I really enjoy the characters and um, I'm connecting with like these parts of the story. So what made you go from that to I have to sit down and write this story? Yeah, that's a great question. Um I hadn't actually read the books for ages, um, and but I'd watched the movies a bunch of times. Um, and I just, as I, I started to watch them, like, in the last couple of years, I started to really, really resonate with Sam Gamgee and, like, really connect to his character and really kind of find a, like, relationship between him and Frodo that I found, like, really compelling and really relatable to my life. And I was always so devastated by the end and by Frodo just leaving and sort of leaving Sam in Middle-earth. And I was watching with a friend who was like a bit more of a nerd, Lord of the Rings nerd at the time. And I was like sobbing my eyes out at the end. And I was like, it's not fair. Why does he have to go? And she was like, well, you know that Sam joins him in the end. Like, and I was like, no, wait, what? And so I jumped up and like grabbed my copy of the book off the shelf, which I hadn't read for like 10 years and went to the appendices and found that, yeah, she was right. There's a note about Sam kind of going to join Frodo at the end of his life. And that was so compelling to me, again, because it's like these little breadcrumbs of a bigger story that is not getting fully told, but it sets your mind going. And so um, that time I was consumed with like fan passion. I sat down and drew a comic about basically what that would look like. I didn't really like do any research or anything. I just was like, here's what I imagined the reunion would be like. Um, And that was really cathartic and lovely to kind of take something that felt very true and take something that was mentioned in the book but not elaborated on and to sort of Mm -hmm. give it a visual and give it form and sort of make it true at least in like the confines of this little comic that I'd made. And that was a couple years before, that was like 2019 and then in 2020 the pandemic hit and I think we just all, everyone needed an escape and I really found mine in kind of really getting to delve back into that story and that relationship. But yeah, I think it's just a feeling of kind of finding there are parts of the story that feel like brightly lit beacons to me about this relationship and about these characters and their interiority. And so I just wanted to string those together and make and sort of like pull that out from the rest of the narrative and really follow that thread because that was what was like intensely interesting to me. Um, So that was kind of that was sort of my push into making it. Um, And I also, you know, I I, I write books, I I write and draw graphic novels, I write for television. Um, It's it's my job to come up with stories. And that can sometimes really it's making stories has always been such a joyful, organic thing for me. But when it is your job, it can sometimes really wreck your relationship to that process of creation. And so I was coming off of a, a job that had been really hard and really kind of like, like, my confidence had like been dealt a hit. 
And being able to dive into this other world that was already kind of waiting for me felt really cathartic. Like I didn't feel like I could quite go off and make my own story just then. I was feeling very low creatively. But then being like, the steps are here. I can kind of connect the dots and tell a story out of this. That really, it was a, it was a really positive and powerful experience for me. There's nothing I've ever written that was like, it was, I just like wrote this long fan fiction and like basically a fugue state where I was just like, I'm having such, a, <laughs> I'm having such a good time. And when you do it for a job, like having a good time is really precious. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I will always be like very, very grateful to fan fiction for giving me that. Yeah. Um, So earlier you were saying that, you know, you kind of view the ring as a representation of, you know, mental health or mental illness. And you said that kind of viewing it through that lens and working through that was cathartic for you. Is it similar when you're when you were like writing the story of like putting pieces of yourself into the story? So, you know, the how you view the ring, um, as well as, you know, being able to flesh out Sam and Frodo being in a homosexual relationship is that do you find putting aspects of your own personal life um, is helpful? Um, Is it where where do you draw the line for that? (laughs) Yeah, it was really vulnerable. Um, It definitely kind of feels and it's like, it's funny, because I've been so so lucky as a creator, I've gotten to make books that like, are exactly what I wanted to make and are really, really personal. Um, but in a way, that story, the, that fan fiction still kind of feels like the most vulnerable thing I've ever done, almost because it is these ciphers of these other characters who I didn't invent. And so I think it's like, I don't know, when I set out to make my own book, my own books, I'm thinking about, and I like my books are, are all about queerness. They're like all of the characters in my books are, are queer, pretty much um, all of the protagonists. And I'm thinking a lot about the choices I'm making as I make them and what is the message I'm sending. And like, I I make books for young kids and teenagers. And so it's like, what am I showing them? What am I representing to them? There's a lot that goes into that um, that can, uh, I don't know, it it can, it can be a little daunting sometimes to try to get too real with your feelings um, on really complicated subjects of queerness and relationships. And so getting to do it in this place where I was kind of, I was really interested in this sort of tragic doomed romance um, I do I do sort of think that it was intended to be written that way in the book and I, I find it really beautiful but I also I don't know if like I would go out and like write a like doomed romance in that way I don't know if that would be right at this moment in time to put that out into the world but I really resonate with it at the same time and I really find a lot of beauty in it and so I wanted to kind of be able to explore that and yeah it was it was it was really cool and I think I just I I relate to hobbits you know I'm a uh I'm like I'm cis but I'm like pretty androgynous lesbian my partner is transmasculine lesbian we're both just like you know little little guys (laughs) like we just like to (laughs) I don't know I feel like I feel like we'd be very at home in the Shire we would visually fit right are you into are you into the cottagecore aesthetic oh yeah yeah we'd love to camp (laughs) love to cook like it's just I don't know I, I I saw myself and my partner in those characters in a way that I, I wouldn't usually in a high fantasy story. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really fun. And that even in like textually queer stories that are coming out right now, like there's such a genre of lesbian movies where it's like two really feminine, beautiful women falling in love in the past and like they kiss once and then one of them dies. 
And I really do love those movies. Like, they're gorgeous. But I'm also like, I have no relationship to this. Like, this is no relationship to my experience. It is much more compelling to be like, what if my best friend had to go on a quest to destroy this awful thing and I'm helping him and we're kind of in love, but it's like kind of like complicated. And I I just like there's there's something so good there that um, I'm like, I don't know. I want I want fiction to like kind of I, I want more fiction like that in the real world, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, you mi- you mentioned that the starting out, uh, diving into like the fan fiction world for Lord of the Rings started out with just um the your comics and your art, um, and some of what you've done is just like a you know graphic interpretation of like an actual scene from the book and then some of it is more like a fan fiction scene like why would you write something versus draw something if that makes sense like what is it about like drawing a part of the story versus writing a part of the story yeah no that's a really fun question um yeah my primary kind of medium is drawing and is writing for visual arts comics and tv animation um, I had never really written prose before, and so that was also just fun. So, like, the fan fiction community feels very like a very safe and open place to try this new medium. Um, but I also – so much of a love story and so much of the story I was trying to tell was very interior. I really wanted it to be from Sam's perspective. I wanted to see what was going on in this, like, sometimes very simple-minded person as he is grappling with these, like, giant um, events happening and, like, really traumatic events. And so – Prose is really great at getting inside someone's head um, and just sort of telling you exactly what they're feeling, even if they're not showing it on their face. And so that I really enjoyed that. And then when it comes to drawing, I love drawing comics. It makes brings me a lot of joy. And so that's kind of that more often comes from like an image that I really want to capture. Um, mm-hmm. The book te- that I, I my favorite ones are the comics that I do that are based on like text from the book. And those are so fun because they're just these little moments that I found really compelling. And I just wanted to step it out and say, look at how this looks. Um, Again, it's a little bit of a like, I am reading this as queer. And I don't think I'm crazy to be reading it as queer. Here is what it looks like. Um, For example, the bath, the bathing scene. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which is literally so funny. It's one of my like favorite pieces of yours. Oh, thank you. That exists out there. Because it's just, it's like, it's such a silly, wholesome moment in the book before everything goes terribly wrong. And obviously it's not in um, Peter Jackson's version of the story. What a, what a coward. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've like captured it with like, this is literally what Tolkien wrote. And yeah, that's always the most delightful. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's so great. And, and also like... Um, how you wrote an entire story based on Sam and Frodo being in a romantic relationship together. Like, it's really not off base from the original text when you look at, like, especially, like, zeroing in on certain details. Like, Sam left his wife to go live with Frodo on another plane of existence. Like, (laughs) it's... and, and, And Frodo asked... Sam and Rosie to move in with him. I know. In Bag End. And then like, he had to leave on. Middle Earth because he couldn't. It was too much pain. He could like not tear Sam in two. Like, he, he said that. He knew so- Sam would not be able to fully. Like love, like commit his to his life family. with Rosie yeah. and a family that he would always be 
share splitting that attention between that life and himself and so he's like i'm going to remove myself from this world yeah (laughs) goodbye like come on y'all it's at least a little bit gay yeah let's go there yeah no i mean i i agree and i i it's funny because i kind of i wrote this whole fan fiction again feud state 70,000 words, just like, da-da-da. That's like the length of a young adult novel. I will say, yeah, I was reading it, and I noticed those, pu- like, uploaded date, yeah. published date, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a couple months into 2020. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, we were it, all coping, in that mindset. Coping strategy was very helpful. <laughs> but so then that sort of kicked off. I was like, okay, time to, like, let's get hardcore about Lord of the Rings. I'm going to reread the book. I haven't read it since I was, like, 14. And it was so beautiful to reread it and just – finds all of these, there were all of these things that I thought I kind of had to pull out of the movie and that I had to sort of add my own stuff to make it like something that I related to. And then I read the book and I was like, wait, it's all in here. And there's so much more. Like there is this beautiful scene of Sam rescuing Frodo from the tower of Kirith Angal. And there's all these beautiful conversations between them. And there's Sam watching Frodo sleep and thinking how he loves him and how beautiful he is. And just Ah, it was just like, it was all there. I felt kind of crazy. You know that tweet where there's the journalist and he's like, I've been working on this story for two years and he just tweeted it out. Like that was how I, that was how I felt. I was like, I've been writing this fan fiction and it turns out it was in the book all along. It was our, um, it was here the whole time. Yeah. And I just it sort of didn't have the eyes to see it when I was reading it when I was 14. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I that's just beautiful. what I think is just so interesting about stories like Lord of the Rings that have been around forever is that when you put a different lens, a different filter on them and then like watch it or read it a second time, there's like limitless amount of interpretations and meanings that you can draw from it. Yeah. And I think that's where certain books or movies or whatever will stand up to the test of time and then others will fall by the wayside is like being able to to see, I don't know, see pieces of yourself or not see pieces of yourself and find things that you connect with and then you watch it again or read it again or listen to it again, whatever that piece of fiction is or piece of content is and constantly finding new meanings from it Yeah. Um, in ways that are like increasingly personal and you know, the person sitting next to you on the subway isn't going to view it that same way. Yeah, yeah, it really that really is what what marks a great work of literature. And I think I, I you know, I get I get I definitely like get people quite angry at me because they don't always like this interpretation. And I, I, I always wish I could like hold their hand and be like, it's, it's, okay. it's okay. You don't, I'm not telling you how to read the story. I'm telling right. you how I read the story. And I think that Jared Tolkien was a very smart man who built levels of depth into the story. I wasn't raised religious at all. And so I never really saw religion in it. And I always was very, I was like, wow, this is this fantasy story without really like gods or anything or destiny. Like, I really like that. And then as I've learned more about Tolkien and about his Catholicism, as I'm reading the Silmarillion, I'm really seeing the threads of his faith in it and finding that so beautiful. It really is making me appreciate like that faith in a really new light. Um, and so I think, yeah, but I, but I also I also cherish the reading that I had where it was it really is truly just a story about individuals doing their best without help from a higher power, because that is also really compelling. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great work of fiction. And so you you can read a lot into it. And I think people shouldn't be afraid, afraid of that. They shouldn't be challenged by that. Like we yeah, it's it's your own private interpretation of a book is incredibly precious and no one can take it away from you. 
Amen. I like. I'm just gonna like clip <laughs> that part out and like tweet it out and stuff because um, I know how vicious the fandom gets when it's so funny because there are like I've really experienced two sides of the Lord of the Rings fandom where like there's this part of the fandom who does what you do and you make like fun art and stuff and you write about you know how you view it and how it's personal to you and other people being like. Yeah, Legolas and Gimli are in the most amazing relationship and other people being like, no, they're just bros, but that's what makes it beautiful. And, you know, like all these. And then there's this other side of the fandom that's just like so terrible and awful. And yeah, you're just like, we don't have to hate each other. We can. I know. I think I just yeah, I mostly pay attention to the people who create things, you know, and it doesn't have to be art or fan fiction. But it's the people who are putting out into the world what they love about the story and exploring that. And so when it's people who are exclusively reacting to other people's interpretation, it's just like, why do I need to, I don't know, why do I, why do I need to care about your opinion? Like you're not, if you want to write a beautiful story about how much like Sam and Frodo as a platonic friendship means to you, I'm so on board for that. And I love that. And I want to know about that. I want to read that essay and we can shake hands and be friends. (laughs) Yeah. That's literally just how I've been experiencing everything on the podcast is from this perspective of like I am so happy to hear all of these different interpretations because like okay the let's see The Hobbit was published in I think the 30s 1930s Lord of the Rings published in the 50s the movies came out 20 years ago and we are still here talking about them and you know later this year there's going to be a resurgence whether it's bad or good time will tell (laughs) (laughs) that series yeah Um, it's just so funny to me that I mean just like talking about like you know how people view the ring in different ways and stuff and just the fact that like Jeff Bezos who is apparently a Lord of the Rings fan can read Lord of the Rings and look at the ring and just not make any sort of connections about that. But anyway, he can read. Yeah. Or even I mean, I think oh, there's a really I'm not going to remember it exactly. There's a really great quote from the begin, the foreword of Lord of the Rings where Tolkien is like, of course, this is not an allegory to the real world. The real world is full of Saruman's. Like specifically the industrialist who is just kind of destroying everything and for profit and to build and for wealth. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeff Bezos anyway. is just like, who could that be about? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's what was I even saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How all these things were written or created or came out or whatever such a long time ago. But the reason that we're still, you know, talking about it in such in-depth conversations is because of people who do fandom you know, fandom related things who people who write fan fan fiction, people who do, um, you know, video essays, people who do really fantastic cosplay and um, and fan fiction. Did I say I don't know if I said that's what we're here to talk (laughs) about, but, you know, writing fan fiction, all of these like amazing things and scholars, um, the people who go to college and study it like, oh, my gosh, there's oh, shoot, I need I need to uh, message him on Twitter. But there was um, there's some like pastor but oh, he's is also it like a Tolkien professor yes pastor I think it's Tom. yeah I love it. I gave him a I gave him a tat- an, an Eleanor flower tattoo <laughs> <gasps> that's amazing yeah. Yeah. oh my gosh and I think he he's currently doing a let me make sure that I'm thinking of the right person i think he's currently doing like a zoom series that just sounded so- yeah that's it queer and back again the gospel according to J.R.R. tolkien and that just sounds so fascinating yeah 
He's so cool. Yeah, he's such a sweetheart. I think he's Rev Tom Emanuel on Twitter. That's his handle. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I need to like reach out to him and be like, can you come on the show and just give like a course that you're doing says it's six weeks. Can you come on and just do like a one hour condensed thing? Or is that me stealing from your thing? You know, like whatever. But like, that sounds so cool. Yeah. Um, Point being, fan fiction is a way to keep these things alive and add you know new pieces of meaning to something that has existed for such a long time yeah I feel like a a kind of like a type of fan art that I see a lot in in my circles of the fandom is imagining the characters as people of color and I really really love that because again Tolkien is very non-specific with the language he uses to describe people you we really get so few character descriptions which is again I, ch- I do think is like intentional and very smart. It really does allow them to be interpreted in such a wide variety of ways. And so I see like we've had such a big conversation in the last, I mean, a- ages and ages, but especially in like the last decade about like, like mm-hmm. seeing better like representation on screen. And so the idea that people are just being like, I'm going to create it. I'm going to take this story that I love so much and create the representation that makes me feel seen is, yes. it's just, it's so cool and it is such that is like a fundamental act of love in a story to be like yes it is written by this old white british man in the 50s and like like yes there is also some like kind of problematic racial language in it however i'm still i'm not going to let that become a barrier to stop me from loving it and claiming it for my own and interpreting it in my own way like that is it's the highest act of love i can imagine Mm-hmm. for a piece of work. Sometime last year, I had author Victoria Aveyard on the podcast, and she um, was in the process of releasing her latest book at the time. And it stemmed from she like fell in love with Lord of the Rings as a kid, but being, you know, uh, b- being a woman, being a girl when the movies came out, and, you know, like all you really have to connect with is Arwen and Eowyn and you're never going to be able to collect connect with Galadriel like yeah, let's be honest don't even none try. of us can relate or connect <laughs> yeah. to her in any way yeah um and so she said this phrase that just like has really stuck with me of like dealing um with the fact that you love a book that doesn't love you back mm. um and so how do you how do you co- you know how mm. do you deal with that what do you yeah. do with that information of like and so and and that that's a theme that like I would love to explore in more in-depth episodes in the future and get fans of color on and, uh, you know, and talk to them about what their experience is like loving a book that doesn't, where they they aren't seeing themselves represented as much as, you know, the next person. Um, And so the way I see it is that these fan creations, fan art, fan fiction are ways of, are, are ways of interpreting the work um, in a way that it is loving you back and you are able to see yourself represented in that world in a way yeah. that it wasn't originally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like this is maybe me being really charitable to J.R.R. Tolkien, but I I think he was in a lot of ways a, a progressive and pretty awesome person. He's complicated. I would not try. I would not put yes. a political label on him. Yeah. I, but, I like, will say like a yeah. lot of things that I've learned about him surprised me a lot more yeah. than I thought they would. Yeah. But also at this it's it's really hard because I don't want to come out and be like, oh my God, Tolkien was like a gay icon because Yeah, you don't want to be like yes, queen, Jared Tolkien. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, yeah, you're right that he was, I think, a little more uh progressive than the next person. And I think people sometimes give him credit for. And I think it's at the heart of the books, there is this great love 
for people and this great love for community and for this great belief in like hope and in what people can do when they come mm-hmm. together um, and truly love each other. And so I think that that is like, not everything has that, you know, like, like not everything truly has love and respect for individuals at its core. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say everything, I mean, like works of fiction. So I think it's I think that is like another reason why even you can come back and be like, yeah, there's some language in here that is of the time, maybe, but still really, really jarring and like really uncomfortable. But it is like, you can sort of like find something deeper and kinder at the heart of the book. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I think is really great about the way that he wrote this story is that there's a million different kinds of love yeah. and relationships yeah. within the book. There's romantic love, which in his like story, we don't really actually see a lot of romantic love. Literally, Arwen shows up and then they are married within yeah. like a paragraph and, and that's all you see. You do I think the most you see is Eowyn and Faramir. They get a chapter. But again, they get a full chapter. unless you are reading Sam and Frodo as romantic, which I, I just, again, will really argue is a valid reading of the text. And then there is this love story kind of entwined. Um, yeah. A tragic one. And then, yeah. yeah. And then there's friendship love, like Mary and Pippin's relationship oh, and friendship. I know. It's just the most beautiful, sweet, wholesome <laughs> thing ever. Um, oh, they're so funny. And they're so good. And, and the drama. Legolas, yeah. Legolas and Gimli. Yeah. I personally will stick to, I know a lot of people love interpreting uh, and having like their own fan fiction where Legolas and Gimli are gay, but I love their pr- platonic friendship <laughs> yeah. where they started out as enemies and then they are so close that by the end of things, Legolas is sneaking Gimli into the Undying Land. <laughs> I love that part. Just to like... be like, I, I don't want to be away from my bro. <laughs> <laughs> like what's oh heaven God. without your bro exactly yeah <laughs> oh, so good yeah so you've talked a little bit about it but could you tell me more about what it's like the maybe the differences or similarities between writing traditional fiction versus writing fan fiction and what those experiences are like yeah I think that there's sort of the obvious differences where it is when you're writing fan fiction, you're writing in a world that has been established. And again, when it's Middle Earth, there's so much that's been established. And so half the time I was writing this story, I felt like I was doing research for like a thesis or something because I was like, okay, so what was the Shire based on? And like, what was that like? And then let me look at the family trees. Like I have to like mention other hobbits and like they have to have names that are accurate. And so that was really fun. Yeah, I think there's just when you're when you're writing your own fiction, um, all the choices are up to you. And that is very exciting in its own way. But it can be a little daunting too. And so Mm -hmm. the idea of writing into something that has a world that's been established and writing in a story where the structure's already been figured out is really cool. And again, I love writing fantasy stories. I love figuring that stuff out. But it's a different... It's a different part of my brain than the part of my brain that's really interested in writing about relationships and writing about people's experiences. And so that part of my brain was really what activated for this fan fiction. And I was like, all right, Tolkien has the plot covered. I don't need to explain. Like, I don't need to do exposition of like who characters are because anyone reading this knows who they are. I can already going to know. That's a great point. Yeah. No one's going to be like, hmm, this Lord of the Rings thing. Yeah. I'm going to start with this piece of fan fiction. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I, I honestly, I have had a couple of people read it who are like, (gasps) <gasps> never read the books, never seen the movies. This seems fun. And I was like, I don't wow. know what you're, I don't know what you're okay. getting out of it, but like, cool. God, God bless you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just fun to write in someone else's world and to feel 
like you're communing with them a little bit and connecting with what they intended and then maybe taking what they're intended and exploring it further. Um, I also really love, I'm as a, as a writer, I really love perspective and I really love thinking about things from a character's perspective. I think when I was a kid, I would always like really latch onto a certain character in a movie and be like, okay, what's going on in their minds? And so mm-hmm. for this fan fiction specifically, it was just like very much like what's going on with Sam at all times, specifically in the movies. And so I was like watching every scene and being like, is Sean Aston in the background? What What's he doing? What's, <laughs> what's like, he thinking? <laughs> yeah. But like, even if it's like kind of a, like feels like a like take where they didn't really have a point for having Sam there, but it's like, okay, but like, what is Sam doing? Um, yeah. And let me find a way to build that into the story. And so that was just that was just really fun to kind of take that very specific perspective and apply it to mm-hmm. a story that is so big and that jumps from perspective to perspective and jumps from like, yeah, the smallest, like most minute details of land management in the Shire to like the grandest descriptions of battles or descriptions of ancient history. Um, Lord of the Rings is all over the place. And so it was really fun to be like, I'm going to pin this story down on this one character this one, mm-hmm. who <laughs> has like doesn't have a very big imagination and is like very focused on one person and one goal. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. like also just so fun to write. Um, yeah, I, I, it was it was delightful. <laughs> My favorite perspective um, to focus on for for Lord of the Rings is thinking about it from the perspective of Bill the Pony. Oh my god, <laughs> where he's just this living a miserable life, and then yeah. he gets saved by these like random people, and he's just being shuffled along. His like owners go and like sometimes there are these random attacks that happen, and he's still just like standing there eating grass. Yeah, <laughs> and then they just let him go outside of Moria, and then he somehow winds his way back. Somehow makes <laughs> back it back to the I was back so... to the shop worried uh, when I was reading the book because I didn't remember what happened to Bill the Pony and Gandalf is like don't worry Sam I'll put a spell on him and I it was, was like Gandalf is lying <laughs> but it was he wasn't quite literally I think my favorite part of the whole story was oh my God. <laughs> reading reading the ending they're coming home and then it, it was like an ultimate plot twist for me it really- <laughs> like I well it was also just really funny because I at the time had just been making so much fun of Tolkien because he has like a 150 page falling climax whatever that's called yeah. in english class De- where you're, yeah exactly yeah. um like leading to the resolution it's like yeah. 150 pages god at least it's a whole book and it's because like he refuses to let there be any loose yeah. ends yeah. he's like he's like remember this loose end about this pony that we let out that we let go yeah well here it is it's tied up and don't again, you worry that about that is like the respect on his part respecting his readers to be like some of my readers are gonna read this and really need to know about the pony and like that's really cool to be like everyone does get an arc in a way and like every reader who has their own specific interest will be listened to and given some material for that that's mm-hmm. so so fun <laughs> love bill well before we move towards wrapping up our conversation uh one more kind of thing i want to touch on is that i feel like there's this um stigma around fan fiction both in terms of writing it and reading it i feel like um a lot of people don't they're they're not if so if you're like sitting on the bus and you have like your phone out and you're reading fan fiction and someone's like what are you reading I feel like you're not going to be like oh yeah it's this you know <laughs> piece of fan fiction for you know Harry Potter or whatever you're going to be like uh it's a uh, War and Peace <laughs> you know uh, or and then 
I'm a great example of this. I wrote fan fiction when I was in high school. Oh it was God. the cringiest thing I've ever done in was my it life. For Harry Potter. I'm not going to tell you what fandom. I'm not going to tell oh. anyone any details about it. Okay. <laughs> I might as well go and delete it from the you internet. You can't even tell the like, no, what fandom. Oh because no, okay. because it's so it's something I will take with me to my dying yeah. days because it's one of my cringiest like, <laughs> teenage moments. Yeah. Um see you're you have the benefit of you went into this world as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, I, I should say the world of fan fiction. I think my experience is a little different. I will say I read the first fan fiction I ever read was when I was like probably 12 or 11 and the movies were coming out. And I was like searching online for like Lord of the Rings stories because I was just like, I need to read more. I read the book. Mm-hmm. I read The Hobbit. I need to know more. And so I found a whole website that was full of Lord of the Rings stories. And I was like, this is so great. Tolkien wrote all of these stories. And I was reading <laughs> and it was like a like very explicit uh, Legolas Gimli slash. And oh, I was like, the thing that threw me off and I was a very innocent 12 year old too. So I like did not know what I was reading. But it was like, first it was just Legolas and Gimli hooking up. And I was like, Okay, I mean, I, you know, they really like each other. Like, I can sort of, I don't quite know what this is describing, but, like, this sort of seems like it could work. And then they go to, like, a party with, like a, like, a sex party with a bunch of elves and dwarves there. And I was like, well, you know, here's the thing. Elves and dwarves are famously not friends. Legolas and Gimli are very unique. Something's so this about doesn't this. make sense to me. <laughs> and that was how I realized it was not a canon work of fiction and, like, started to learn about that. So that was my very first, and that was, like, I was very little. And then I didn't seek it out for a long time because. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, I think a lot of people, when you say fan fiction, yeah. that's what their mind goes yeah. to. Yeah. Is they're like, oh, it's all gay and it's all graphic sex. Mm-hmm. Some of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say a lot of fan fiction is about yeah. gay characters. I would say not all of it is graphic sex. Um, but and it's then great. I think, like, I don't, I have no, ju- like, I think Yeah, it's, no judgment yeah. for people who in, enjoy writing that and yeah. reading that. No, it's like utter joy. It's And I, I also feel like people think of, for example, famous or infamously My Immortal. Um, oh my God. Do you know about My oh Immortal? Oh my God, I've read it. The, okay, so the yeah. best thing to do with My Immortal is to read it with a group of friends and like read it aloud. And like, at, if you start to laugh, you have to pass it to the next person. And oh, they laugh, and it's 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 good. It's a delightful. It's a delightful um, story. Famously, there is a random background character I have learned in my immortal called Tom Bombadil. Oh my <laughs> There's God. like a random. Yeah. Someone pointed that at someone. I like asked <laughs> something about that, something related to fan fiction on Twitter. I don't know. And someone was like, "Did you know Tom Bombadil is in my immortal?" And I was like, "No, but that makes a lot of Did sense you know that given what Tolkien I know about Tom Bombadil <laughs> and given what I know about my immortal." And then it's literally, I like looked at my immortal and just did like a you know find for yeah. Tom Bombadil and it's literally like her looking up at like there's like another student and she's like I'm gonna go talk to Tom, ba- to Tom Bombadil and then like that's all that happens that makes but- me so happy but here's the thing and here's the thing even for my immortal it's like it's like a very it's a very funny work it's written by like a very young girl who is like really into MCR she's- and hot topic but I yes. it's so pure and it is such a pure expression of herself and it is such a pure like I don't know like how beautiful to have this representation of I remember being that age I remember caring about MCR and Hot Topic a big amount and like I didn't I don't have any writing from that time how beautiful to have a record of what she cared about so much in the form of this fan fiction about Harry Potter and it's just it's it's vulnerable in this way that I find really beautiful um my my least favorite works of art 
And this is like not fan fiction. This is just like all art. My least favorite kind and the kind I just can't get into are ones that don't feel vulnerable and that don't feel personal and that feel like they're just being made for people to enjoy them. And I think fan fiction, it partially is the stigma around it, but it all and it also is that you can't make money off of it. You're really just doing it for joy. And so I will yeah. like I will really like go to the ends of the earth to defend Yo, like the most people who whack fan fiction because it's it really is people being like I need to make this specific story. There, it's beautiful. Are there are like fan pieces of fan fiction out there longer than longer than Lord of the Rings? Yes, oh you know? totally. Yeah, and like the, these are people who are writing exclusively just for their own self interest yeah. Yeah. you know because there's also a good chance i mean maybe like they're writing it just because they want to get you know comments or, or likes or whatever on whatever platform they're using but at the same time like there's no guarantee whatever you're creating is going to get any views and so for the most part it's just people caring so much about something that they love that they're like i need to let those emotions yeah. outward for yeah. other people to share in them and it's usually just prose which is like where else on the internet is anyone reading a hundred thousand words like at the drop of a hat like it is only on archive of our own like it's <laughs> and it's it's i just i find it so cool and again like as coming into it as a published author i kind of didn't think mm -hmm. about like I didn't think about the stigma of it that much. And then I kind of like once I started putting it out, people were like, this is so crazy that a published author is sharing her fan fiction handle. But I was just like, it, I, I stand by it. I, I really do stand by it. It was it's one of the most vulnerable pieces of work I've ever done. It's definitely not as thought out as some of my other work. It's not as carefully polished, but it is really vulnerable. And it's coming from a place of like, sheer joy at its creation which i wish mm -hmm. i could channel into everything that i did that's like i think like when you make a lot of stories you realize how rare that kind of spark of like oh my god i need to sit down and write this like that is such a rare feeling and so i yeah i just i just i just love it i just think it is such a like beautiful little flower of the internet um <laughs> yeah yeah i think there's you know always this idea that fan fiction isn't like isn't isn't valid it's not a valid way of consuming content from a you know a piece of fiction or a world or whatever it's not a valid form of writing but it absolutely is and um just thinking and also just thinking about like you said earlier how like it when you're writing fan fiction characters like like the the world already exists so you don't have to worry about that so like it's even also just like a really great creative exercise yeah. for people to like not have to for people who just want to write yeah to just sit down and be like I don't have to worry about like what are these characters name because like when I when I sit down and write I, I will sit there for uh, an hour yeah. going on like babynames.com yeah. picking a name names for a are character. so hard <laughs> and I'm like Bill Bill, great. Yeah, and then I'm they're like, all no, names Bill. Like, um, there was one year when I was doing Nanorimo where I kept there was one character I kept changing their name, and and then like I returned to it a couple months later, and I was like reading it, and then I was like, who is this character? And then it literally has like a different name on the next page, and then a different oh name on the, back of the next page. It was awful, but anyway, yeah, yeah, fan fiction is a really great way to get out of your head if you're a writer it's a really great way to get out of your head if you're just reading you don't have to like picking up a new book is also something you're like oh my god i have to learn like a, the what are the rules of this yeah. world how does this work how, how does this end you know yeah. um and i think that uh that it, that's what makes 
fan fiction really yeah. great. And I think that the queer aspect of it is very real. Like there, the, I think the majority of fan fiction is queer. I don't actually know if anyone's like studied that. But it's like we also are a very underserved market when it comes to stories. Yeah. Like we are, and, and finally, that's what, yeah, yeah, that's what like I would guess just as someone with an outside perspective, just looking at it and being like, well, I would guess the reason there's so many pieces of fan fiction about gay characters, whether or not they are canonically gay, um, or whether or not one example comes to mind from the Sherlock fandom, for whatever reason, uh-huh. there are these two characters, um, de- uh, Detective Le- or Inspector Lestrade and Mycroft, and for whatever reason, uh, I, you have to understand, Molly. I was on I was on Tumblr. I, I was on Tumblr in the days of Sherlock. I was <laughs> too. Was... I think I've, I never got that into Sherlock because Benedict Cumberbatch has a scary face for me. <laughs> oh, see, I love Benedict Cumberbatch, but um, I was on Tumblr in the yeah. days of BBC Sherlock. Yeah, what yeah. a time to be alive! Yeah, and people were shipping these two characters who literally never interacted like they were never in the same scene there was nothing about them in common except for the fact that they were characters in this world it was just wild and i'm like i don't know where this came from but clearly it comes from this desire to um want to be represented and want to relate to characters and want to see them you know expanded upon and living more full lives than you see you know in a two minute scene on your tv yeah and that i think there there is we really are we're so lucky right now there are such amazing queer stories coming out but it there there has there are so many restrictions and i know Mm -hmm. that really personally from being someone trying to make queer stories right now there are still so many restrictions and so it often is i'm like okay i you know, I'm so happy that there's like all of these beautiful historical lesbian movies. But again, I don't really relate to them. There's all these high school lesbian stories. I can't super relate to that either because I wasn't out in high school. Like, and I'm just like, the thing I relate to most is being a little guy on a journey and like walking. (laughs) Like I've always just wanted to be a hobbit. And so like that is, there is something so much more compelling to kind of go to this thing that is not being self-conscious about being a queer story at this moment. And again, not to knock those stories at all because they're so wonderful and I'm making them. But sometimes you just, you're like, I, my dad read me Lord of the Rings when I was five and it will always be the foundational text for me. Like it's just always going to be my first big book that I loved. And so nothing can quite replace finding myself in that story. That's beautiful yeah. and wonderful. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you were able, especially during, you know, the the onset of the pandemic. Um, I'm glad that you were able to, like, dive into that and explore all of that even further. Yeah. Um, and also that, like, so many people have had such positive reception to what you do. Because when, it, like, literally when someone suggest when the idea of fan fiction came up in my Twitter mentions, someone immediately thought of you. And so sweet. <laughs> I, think that's the, I think that's the mark of a really great, thoughtful creator. Yeah. Uh, it's it's been really fun and it's it's been the fan as the fan community aspect is another thing mm-hmm. I've never really delved into before and so that has been really lovely too just to kind of like connect with people through this story and be like we both love it and we both love these specific things in it so like let's just have fun together um yeah it's delightful before we start closing out is there anything else that you wanted to add whether it's just about the topic of fan fiction in general or about specifically Lord of the Rings I would just encourage people to like allow yourself to be indulgent with stories that you love because it's like we live in kind of like a hard cruel world so like if you can get a little bit of joy from going to middle earth whether you're reading about it or writing about it like it's just yeah i i I find that kind of stigma to be very very boring and yeah kind of pointless makes me 
so angry when people get, I mean, aside from like, you know, the general like bigotry, that's gross too. But just what makes me angry is when people will share their own interpretations of what, I mean, like, you know, we're talking about Lord of the Rings, but just anything in general. And then other people have such like violent reactions of like, that's wrong. And I'm like, why, like, what does it matter to you if me viewing, you know, this character this way or this story this way brings me more meaning and joy? Like, what does it matter to you? It It has no effect on you as a person. It has no effect on how you are able to continue enjoying this story. Like, just let other people enjoy things in the way that brings them the most joy yeah enjoy it yourself in the way that you love you have one (laughs) wild and precious life and so really just like yeah take the joy that you can and don't yeah don't don't hate on other people because they're not aligning exactly with you because ultimately Mm -hmm. it does the read of it does not affect you in any way shape or form and so it's okay it's okay okay. Yeah. (laughs) yeah Well, Molly, thank you for coming on and yeah. talking about this this <laughs> topic with me. It was uh, I knew it would be an enjoyable conversation. Um, what would you like to plug, and where can people find you on the internet? Well, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I I don't I don't I'm not on it a ton anymore, but I do have a Lord of the Rings Twitter. It's just at Hobbit Gay, and I also have a newsletter that I started recently. It's ostertag.substack.com, and I've been um, doing a webcomic, a, we- a weekly updating webcomic, and posting other just like little snippets some Hobbit art, some stuff like that. So uh, if you are interested in any of that, you can find me pretty easily in those places. That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, you can go to WBNE.org where you will find all of our shows like Unsobered. The cover art is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod. Now I am very sad to announce that Warner Brothers strikes once again. That's right. The Merry Christmas and a Pippin New Year design, despite the fact that it is now February, has been taken down yet again. Uh, At this point, I would say I don't think it will go back up because I can't figure out how to reimagine that concept without it getting taken down for a fourth time and possibly even my shop getting banned. I don't know how that works. So if you have a Merry Christmas and a Pippin New Year t-shirt or hoodie or crew neck, congratulations. It's officially limited edition. But there are some other designs up on the shop that have not been taken down. Oh God, I just cursed us all. Knock on wood. So go check those out. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. You can become a sponsor of the podcast like Zach. Zach, thank you so much for continuing to support. That's what I'm talking about. I so much appreciate everyone's support. And hopefully when I have some time, I'm looking to redo and revamp some Patreon perks. So stay tuned for that. I recently noticed there were a lot more reviews on iTunes. So thank you for doing those. If you have not yet rated or reviewed, that's what I'm talking about. Please do so now. Whether you listen in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please rate and review. Next week, we will cover the very infamous... Very Secret Diaries by Cassandra Clare. I will leave a link in the episode description. They are very worth reading, actually. It was a very fun time, so I highly recommend it. Well, thank you again for coming on. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Have fun, and it's okay. <laughs> I just want to hold everyone's <laughs> hands and say it is okay to enjoy what you enjoy. Have a have a good time because like fiction exists for us to find ourselves and find meaning about the world and be inspired and um that's like the first thing that it's there for so yeah and that's what i'm talking about Mm